It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, Falcon Maniacs. Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Faulkner, joined as always by my co-host, Jeff Faulkner. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I, I almost as always, and uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, I'm sorry to miss last week's episode, but I'm happy to be back this week. Uh, not a ton to talk about as far as news goes uh, compared to other weeks uh, this off season, but uh, yeah, I'm happy to be back talking football with you. I'm watching the Jays right now against the Yankees. Vladdy's got three bombs in the game, uh, so you know things are good as far as Jays land goes, and uh, baseball season's well underway. So it's a good time to be a sports fan. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, no, I'm good. And uh, yeah, I guess if you're, you know, if you joined us last week for the first time, you're probably wondering why I say, as always, uh, you know, thanks a lot to our uh, West Coast correspondent, Tyler, for filling in there. It's always nice to have him on deck when one of us can't make it in. Um, If you're interested at all, folks, in uh, Formula One, make sure you check out Tyler's, uh, his own podcast, uh, the Pit Stop podcast, where, you know, these guys do a great job breaking down everything that's happening in F1 right now. Um, you know, they have some laughs and uh, really break it down for the, the average fan, the common fan, which, uh, you know, there's nothing common about us, Jeff, but uh, those other people out there. But yeah, baseball is in full swing and uh, you actually had a chance to go to the home opener and the first home opener in a couple of years at, uh, you know, I want to call it the Sky Dome. And uh, I kind of I kind of jokingly texted you and, uh, you know, and Tron, our Brolo Tron, that uh, it was a funny start to a World Series season when in the first inning we couldn't get our, you know, ace pitcher more than one out and we were down, I think at one point, what, 7 nothing, And uh, yeah. turns out it wasn't that funny of a start to that kind of a season. What was it like being there and, and witnessing the big comeback? Well, honestly, it was, first of all, it was amazing. I was there with two really good friends and we caught up and it was just like old times. Uh, but the game itself, yeah, like, I mean, all the expectations for the Jays and they come out super flat and give up seven runs, get down into a huge hole early. But when they came back and tied it up, that place was electric. And uh, yeah, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. And it just it brought me right back in, you know, all the things we took for granted and, and that I missed over the pandemic, the shared experiences and with, you know, 45, 48, whatever it was, 50,000 fans all rooting for the same team. It was a pretty awesome uh, moment for sure. And uh, I'm hoping there's many of them for the Jays this year. Yeah, that's it, man. It's uh, it's a fun team. It's an exciting team. I know uh, when they were talking to Chapman there, his his big takeaway uh, after game one was just he hadn't. He said, "I haven't had that much fun in a long time playing baseball." But uh, you're right, man. It's we're you know it was a packed house. We're back to getting back to the things that we love to do, and uh, you know one of the things that I love to do, Jeff, is sit down every week and talk about some NFL news and some fantasy football. Uh, you know, wherewithal. So uh, let's not keep the folks waiting anymore. If you're joining us for the first time, Folkomaniacs, welcome in. If you're a returning uh, listener, welcome back. We appreciate your support. Uh, make sure that you check us out on socials, Instagram and Twitter. Although I, if you are, it's been a little quiet. We need to step up our game again. But uh, at Folkomaniacs Football on the IG and the Twitter. Uh, you can always email the show at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. If you've got any questions, we love to get those featured in our Falcomaniacs fan zone every week. And uh, as always, if you want to uh, ask your question, you know, quote unquote, in person, you can leave us a voice message using the link in the show description. That's it. Let's jump to the opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. 
So uh, I'm sure you're on social media, and if you're seeing anything fantasy football right now, uh, you know the hot topic is dynasty rankings um, because you know dynasty leagues kind of never stop. And this is you know leading up to the NFL draft here. Uh, you know the highly touted rookies are going to find homes soon enough, and people are getting excited about the potential of these kids before they even take a snap. And uh, yeah, people like to put their rankings out nice and early so they can you know screenshot it later on if they're right. So uh, Kyle and I thought we would dabble a little bit in uh, the really early preseason and dynasty rankings for running backs. And uh, we're just going to take a look at the top five real quick. And, you know, really, we have the same five names. It's just in a, in a different order. I have Jonathan Taylor first, Najee Harris second, DeAndre Swift third, Javante Williams fourth, and then CMC. And, Kyle, you've got Najee over Taylor, then Javante, CMC, and Swift to round it out. Um, real quick, why, why Najee over Taylor after what we saw last year? Well, I'll, you know what, what Taylor did was unbelievable. Um, and I do believe that he will be the first guy, um, you know, off the board in redraft leagues. I believe he'll be the first guy off the board in a lot of dynasty startup drafts. Uh, if you're having that before, you know, those rookies find a home. Um, the reason that I went with Najee first is I would say 15% just uh, the Homer bias, you know, the Steelers bias. But uh, honestly, you know, this team is going to look different than it has kind of over the last couple of decades. We're moving on. The Big Ben era is over. We're bringing in, uh, you know, the MVP himself, Mitch Trubisky. And I think that the receiving work, and so I guess I was kind of basing this on a half PPR, PPR league, but I think that the receiving work, you know, it's not going to be the whatever it was, 19 targets in week one that we saw last year. But I think it's going to be constant and consistent, um, a high level of volume. Najee has that speed just like Taylor does to take it to the house. Uh, but when you're racking up and you can count on, you know, five, six, seven receptions every game out of the backfield. Um, and we know that Coach Tomlin typically has used a, a workhorse, a bell cow back, um, you know, which obviously Jonathan Taylor was, was for pretty much the whole season last year too. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just felt like he's, he's uh, coming into his own in his second year. He showed as a rookie, he could handle that load. And uh, it's going to be, both of those guys are going to be exciting to watch for a long time, I think. Well, and that's kind of why I asked because it, they may be for a long time, but for running backs for a long time is two years. And it's so hard to, you know, be the RB1 overall two years in a row. And I thought that kind of was your thinking with putting Najee first. And uh, maybe I should have mentioned earlier, but this is the key in this these rankings is dynasty. Uh, this by no means represents who we think will be the best running back options for next year alone in a redraft league. So yeah, obviously age is a huge factor. Well, and that's it for sure. You know, Najee coming into his second year, he's a year behind. Um, and part of it too is like what Taylor did was amazing. But, um, like, what was his, I, I forget off the top of my head, his touchdown total last season. Like, it was huge. And what we've seen is that that is typically the stat that kind of, you know, levels itself off. When when players have an outlier season like that, um, it's not as easily replicated. No, well, that's it. It's super hard. And, you know, I we've seen it with Derrick Henry, guys that are built differently than everybody else. They still wear down and... I think Taylor's going to be okay for a year or two, but after that, it's it's going to be hard to trust him, obviously. 
so that's the opening kickoff, and we're going to be talking about dynasty rankings a little more as uh, you know the offseason unfolds, especially after the draft when these rookies find homes. Uh, but I thought we'd get the conversation there. Yeah. started there anyways. Before we jump on here, I was going to ask you, so outside, we both had CMC in our list, and I almost didn't. I, I'm slightly concerned, but uh, you know, as a manager that has him in two <laughs> – in a dynasty and a keeper league, I'm I'm trying to think positive thoughts. But say you removed one name from this list, who would be the next guy up for you? Who was that? Who was that number six back that was you know so it close was, but uh, didn't quite make it? It was he was on there, and then I took him out and put CMC in. It's Joe Mixon. I think uh, he's going to put it all together, and the Bengals offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders. So I had Mixon on my original list instead of CMC as well, and I took him off. And But I had another name as my fifth back, and I ended up swapping him out for DeAndre Swift, and it was Austin Eckler. Um, and the, yep. reason, the reason that I did was, you know, the one thing that we've seen the last couple of years with Eckler is he's electric with the ball in his hands, and he's part of a great offense. But the workload is, it's steady, but it's not, you know, high level of carries and high level of receptions every game, which I think is smart. I think that the Chargers managed that pretty well. Um, but when Swift was healthy last year, we saw how much, you know, the offense revolved around what he could do and they know they want to get the ball in his hands. And so that was kind of the factor that bumped him into that fifth spot for me. Yeah. I can't wait to see how it plays out. And, you know, I've seen uh, some rankings that have Brees Hall, who, again, he's, he's not even on a team yet, as high as number three overall. So uh, you got to be careful this time of year if, if uh, for whatever reason, if you're doing any kind of draft. But, um, yeah, it's uh, I can't wait to see how the draft unfolds and, and how these rankings change. Well, that does it for the opening kickoff. Let's go to the fantasy news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for Fantasy Football News. So, unfortunately, we start the Fantasy News off with some really terrible news and, and pretty tragic as well. Um, Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, actually passed away at the age of, I think it was 24, um, this past week in a terrible, basically, car accident. So, um, you know, this is bigger than fantasy football. This is bigger than football. It's a you know, young life taken way too early, and it's a super, super sad story. And, uh, yeah, I really don't know what else to say about it other than that. Yeah, it's a tragedy. And, you know, his playing career, obviously, the early part of his playing career didn't pan out the way that he had hoped and the way that people thought. Um, you know, he was he was selected by Washington in the in the upper half I think 15th overall um, and you know kind of wore out his welcome there with some of his off-field stuff had landed in Pittsburgh um, you know and was was hopeful to have a chance to kind of grow in a steady organization um, he was down in Florida I believe was down there to meet up with some of his teammates to work out with them um, to start you know doing the things that he needed to do to get himself uh, ready and, you know, it's it's tragic when any any life, I guess, is cut short with an incident like this, but especially, you know, a young guy who uh, obviously made some mistakes early on in his career and was looking to get things back on the right track. So, you know, all the best to uh, his loved ones. And um, and I haven't heard, you know, I've heard 
this and that about the details of it, but uh, it seems to change with every day. So hopefully we kind of find out what happened and it's dealt with. Yeah, terrible stuff. Um, you know, obviously this is a fantasy football podcast, so we're going to move on and talk about uh, fantasy football news. Um, this first point here I put, it's not even really news right now. It's more of rumors. I'm just putting it out in the universe to hope that it happens as a Javante Williams uh, rosterer in uh, Dynasty League. But Melvin Gordon has been speaking with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, obviously they're looking, or I shouldn't say obviously, it looks like they're looking for another veteran running back to add to that stable of uh, running backs that uh, they love to work. Um, and Melvin Gordon, you know, if he leaves Denver, that only helps Javante Williams. And it's probably why he was as high as he was on both of our lists earlier on. Yeah. And this, you know, the word coming out of Baltimore is there is concern over health. Um, you know, all of their guys that got hurt last year, it was in the preseason. And so you think, okay, like we, we've seen time and time again, guys bouncing back, but there is concern about both JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, as that one-two punch and their ability to come off of this injury um, and be fully effective. So it, it might be more than just depth. It might be they're looking for an actual guy to to kind of carry the load while these two young backs get themselves together. Well, somebody who won't be looking for a new home anytime soon is Derek Carr, the quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders, signed a three-year, $121 million extension with a no-trade clause. Uh, last year, he set a career high in yardage, has improved his yards per attempt significantly over the last uh, couple of years, and has been identified as the clear leader of the team after the departure of Coach Gruden. Uh, I also read that he kind of learned from his first contract signing. Uh, right after he signed that, the team had to part ways with Khalil Mack to make room for the rest of the roster financially. And I guess uh, there's some clauses in the way the verbiage works with this deal now. It uh, doesn't really handicap the team too much as far as the salary cap goes. And it allows them to add and surround him with talent uh, that you know he recognizes that's important uh, if he wants to win. So... Um, yeah, congrats to him. And, you know, this is it's big money, man, like 40 mil a year for, for Derek yeah. Carr. Crazy stuff. I think he's, I think I saw he's number five or something like that in the league. He's only the seventh guy ever to sign for that much. Do you think this was any, do you think there was talk of this before um, Adams ended up in Vegas? Like, obviously, we've talked about the connection and these two, they're good buddies and they were college teammates and, while they were college teammates, you know, they led their conference in yardage and touchdowns and everything. Uh, but do you think that there was some kind of indication from Adams that that's what he wanted to see happen if he was going to come there? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, we've talked about player empowerment more and more every episode, and it could be part of the, yeah, part of the trade. He wanted to make sure his quarterback was there for the next couple of years. Um, if I was Vegas and Devontae Adams said, I want you to bring Phillip Rivers back and sign him to a 10-year deal, I'd do it. <laughs> right? If you can get Adams <laughs> on the field. Well, I did read something. There's a clause that the, the Raiders could actually get out of this deal after one year. So if everything goes, you know, haywire and something, for whatever reason, they want to get out of this, they can get rid of Derek Carr in the next year and it's all oh, in, the, okay. in the contract. So, um yeah, I mean, that's all above my head as far as that goes, but Derek Carr is getting yeah. paid for this year for the Raiders. Well, and you know, with these contracts, they mean something until next year when they completely redo it, and then it's just whatever you want, right. I guess, right? That's it. 
Uh, and another guy who is, you know, a big name in trade rumors uh, this offseason is Brandon Cooks. He signed a two-year extension with the Texans. Uh, so it sounds like he's going to be staying there for another year or two. Um, like I said, he was a popular trade uh, rumor or name in trade rumors for teams looking for wide receivers. As you know, I heard the Chiefs were looking at him to fill the Tyreek hole. So I'm uh, not saying that can't happen now, but uh, he's getting paid by the Texans for another couple of years. Yeah, and that's kind of interesting to me. You know, it could be something to do with Lovey Smith stepping in as head coach um, and that relationship there because obviously – Success-wise, it was a struggle, I'm sure, to be a part of the Texans and uh, and to see some of those pieces that were going out. Um, the te- the Texans, for their part, they're also you know being very vocal about the fact that they have belief in Davis Mills. Um, you know, kind of a he was almost kind of a, a joke pick in last year's draft with uh, with all the Watson stuff. The you know before the controversy he was already saying he wanted out of Houston and they had brought in Tyrod Taylor who uh you know once again through health reasons handed the reins over to a young guy and and for his part Mills was you know okay speaking of Deshaun Watson though it sounds like so you know the criminal matters are out of the way that happened before um before he went to the Browns now it sounds like none of the lawsuits that are pending are going to be able to go forward during the season. So what that means is that unless something changes, he is in line to start for the Browns all season. And they probably had some inkling of this before they made the deal. Um, we knew that last offseason that was a big, uh, a big factor in him not being able to be moved was this hanging over his head. But um, yeah, it sounds like, you know, for the time being, he is he is in line. So we are going to get to see uh, what the Cleveland Browns look like. We're going to see whether they really have just been taking bad quarterbacks all this time or whether Cleveland is just, you know, like an elephant graveyard graveyard for signal callers. Well, I don't know if you saw the news with Baker Mayfield today and he's saying, uh, you know, I'll go to your workplace and boo you and see how you hold up. Like he's broken and I don't know if he's doing himself any favors by going on podcasts and talking all bitter talk. So, uh, yeah, it's him and Cam Newton both kind of dug themselves in the holes (laughs) with their mouths this week on podcasts. Yeah, Cam, I don't even want to uh, give attention to that. But, yeah, he's not winning his way back into the league very quickly here. Um, yeah, well, and Baker also said, you know, as if we weren't sure that he feels very disrespected by the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, you know, I can understand that. I understand that Baker make a commercial about it, buddy. (laughs) All right. Uh, you know, one of last year, speaking of dynasty earlier, one of last year's, um, darlings and kind of a surprise pick by the team and uh an early pick in a lot of drafts and then an early offseason injury but travis etienne running back and a first round pick the second back off the board last year by jacksonville who uh you know suffered the i believe list frank injury in the offseason and and missed his entire rookie year he's on track expected to be fully cleared i think he said right now he's about 85 90 percent but feeling good ready to hit things hard so this has obvious implications for James Robinson. If you're a James Robinson manager in a keeper or dynasty league, uh, this is something that bears watching. If you were holding on to Etienne on your IR spot all last season, this you know bears watching how this plays out. Um, I did see actually a funny quote from him. He said, you know, if ever with all the nonsense that was going on um, last season and the Urban Meyer and whatever, he said of all the seasons to miss with injury, that was 
probably a good one. Like a rookie yeah, season that. with a bad team and just a, just a nightmare to be a part of. So probably of all the seasons to miss with injury, hopefully that's the only one for him. I'd like to see him put it all together for a full year and, and have uh, a nice comeback. That'd be pretty sweet. Absolutely. We've got a couple more things here. Uh, the Rams are now, you know, they're just, they're like the, the Leafs before the salary cap. Just anybody out there. Let's get them. Let's get them. They're in talks with Stefan Gilmore. Uh, apparently the Rams just, you know, as, uh, as part of their team motto, they just said, we, we don't talk about salary caps. No, no, no. Right. That's, I think that's where the Disney song got inspired by. Uh, they just don't do it. They just, I guess they just, uh, they just don't care and, and nobody else does either. I saw a hilarious tweet that said the Rams are playing Madden on France in franchise mode, uh, with salary cap setting off. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, well, I guess that's what happens when you win the Super Bowl. You just get, uh, you know, it's like Monopoly, land on free parking, get the pile of money in the middle. Uh, Seattle Seahawks are picking up the fifth-year option for their new tight end, Noah Fant. Uh, So obviously, you know, they don't want to not have him on board after sending Russell Wilson away. Uh, Fant is an interesting player. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. I guess it depends if it's Drew Locke or somebody else throwing the ball to him. Um, but he's kind of one of those tight ends that there's always a couple of them that people expect these big things. They've got the athletic profile, and then it just never really develops. Um, but he's young. We'll see what happens if he can stay healthy. And uh, T. Hagan, speaking of getting healthy, he had surgery for a torn labrum. So kind of unfortunate that it's this late in the off season, um, but still lots of time to recover. And uh, he's going to be a big part of what, Cincinnati does as they as they try to uh, propel themselves back to another Super Bowl and he's a guy that we're going to talk about a little bit later on and that's the news <laughs> all right well before we get to the meat and potatoes of this episode uh, we do want to uh, head over to the happiest place on turf the Falk Maniacs fan zone <gasps> oh my god oh my god welcome to the Falk Maniacs fan zone <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. So last week we had a real quick one for you at the end of the show, Folk Maniacs. Um, we wanted to know who you thought was going to start more games this season between Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield. So we put that question out. And remember, if you want to respond to this week's two-minute drill question, like I said earlier in the episode, you can hit us up on email at Falk Ma- or at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. You can message us on social media at Football or leave us a voice message in using the link in the show description. So we did get a lot of response on this one. It was closer than I thought. I was, I'll be honest, Jeff, you know, I like to bug you a little bit. I was hoping it was going to just be a landslide for Jimmy Garoppolo. I was hoping it was going to send you into like a, a tailspin rant about Trey Lance and but uh, it was pretty close. Uh, Jimmy G did get the nod. He got about 50% of the vote. Uh, Baker Mayfield got about 40% of the vote. And 10% of the people who got back to us said that they think neither of them will start a single game. Um, but what actually surprised me wasn't that Jimmy Garoppolo got more, but it was that about half of the people said that he was going to be a starter, but for San Francisco, they thought that 
we were after all this offseason talk, you know, his shoulder was going to be healed up and that we were just going to see that Lance just wasn't ready and, and they were going to keep Jimmy under center. But the other half thought that he still could be on the move somewhere, maybe a Carolina, who knows, um, that he was going to find a new home and, and become a starter for them. So where do you stand on this? Who do you think uh, who do you think would have a better chance of starting more games this year? Yeah, this is a good question. It's <laughs> tough. Um, man, I, I think it's – if I had to answer, I'd probably say Jimmy. Um, I think uh, – I don't know what's going to happen there. Honestly, I thought whatever would have happened would have happened already. And he's still in town. And it's, I don't know if they're waiting for an injury to trade him to somebody that's needs a quarterback or what's happening. But um, yeah, this is kind of, I just got new tires on my truck and I had like the same tires on for 197,000 kilometers. And the last two months have been like white knuckle on edge. And today I was driving around feeling just so relieved. And that's exactly how I'm going to feel when Jimmy G gets traded to another team and I can finally just settle in on Trey Lance and what I think he can, he's going to do. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. I'm so surprised he's still there. Uh, I did read a rumor today that the Dolphins were kind of linked to Jimmy G. So what? I don't know if that's saying more about their belief in Tua. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's a connection there with the coach. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just uh, – it's – like I said, I thought – what I thought would have happened would have happened already. Oh my goodness. So. Can you imagine if the Dolphins, you know, Brian Flores had Tua and Devontae Parker last year, and I guess Jalen Waddle as a rookie, we didn't really know for sure what he'd be. And then he's out, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and Tyreek Hill, just a totally different face. Woof. Well, that is it for the Falcon Maniacs Fan Zone for this week's episode. Let's get into our year in review uh, with the wide receivers, number 11 through 20. All right, run out and hook in. Run out and hook in. Show these people how to play football. My form is perfect. I'm like Jerry Rice. So first wide receiver we're going to talk about here is Keenan Allen, who is, you know, as steady as they come. Last year, once again, put up 100 catches, 1,086 yards, only six touchdowns, ho-hum. Uh, but he had 149 targets, uh, 197 fantasy points, and 13.1 points per game. Um, obviously, uh, Justin Herbert is, you know, in love with this guy and the possession receiver and just an absolute weapon he is. 100 catches is a lock for this guy every year. Um, preseason, we had them ranked number ninth or number nine overall. And uh, oh, we don't actually have the updated rankings for where he finished, but uh, oh, sorry, eleven, I guess. Um, so we weren't very <laughs> far away from it. <laughs> I was off last week, all right. Um, so yeah, the Keenan Allen, you know, it, it wasn't the, the boom year we we are used to seeing. Like I said, only six touchdowns. Uh, you know, looking at his year, he had no games over twenty points, only three games under ten. So he was pretty consistent, but didn't have that massive game for you. He missed only one game on the year, only two touchdowns in the first 11 games, scored four in the last four games. You know, if he can have that kind of consistency and get the double-digit touchdowns, he's going to, you know, be over the 200-point threshold and, and be a lot higher on this list next year. I look for him to be, you know, one of the best receivers in the league, again, with Herbert under center and that offense uh, potentially even better than they've been. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, consistency at this position is so hard to find, and it just puts your team in a good spot. Um, when we were talking last week about about some of the you know the top top names and uh, and the top top performers, what we saw was they got up in the you know the top six, the top seven by having those massive blow up weeks. But in reality, 
having them week to week on your fantasy squad wasn't always as good as it would as good as it would seem, right? Like they had these four or five great amazing performances, but then they killed your teams a lot of weeks. Um, whereas with a guy like Allen, sure, he didn't really win you any weeks on his own, but he never really tanked you. Um, and he was in, he only missed one game this year. I remember it wasn't that long ago that Keenan Allen was a name I was afraid to draft because of injury concern. Um, and that's kind of out the window now. He just, like you said, he's, he's good for a hundred catches and a thousand yards and a handful of touchdowns every year. And if he has one of those outlier seasons where he's got 10, 11, 12, you're going to see his name back up in that top five conversation for sure. All right. Number 12 this year in half PPR, Chris Godwin, part of the triple threat in, uh, Tampa Bay. And he was pretty close. He had 98 catches, almost made it to 100, 1,103 yards, five touchdowns on 127 targets, so pretty efficient. Uh, Finished with 193 fantasy points and averaged 13.8 points per game. So obviously he was injured at the end of the season, uh, missed a couple of weeks. He was our number 13 uh, wide receiver coming into the season. That was our consensus, Jeff. And so we were, again, right kind of in the wheelhouse with him. Uh, But he finished this year top 10 in points per game. Um, So he put up similar stats to Keenan Allen, um, but obviously missed some time. Now... He had he did have some lower scoring games. He had five games with less than ten fantasy points uh, before he ended up tearing his ACL. It's kind of unfortunate that he got hurt so late. It does rush your recovery a little bit. Um, we may see. I know that this is more of a retrospective, not a not a looking forward show. We'll do that later in the off season. We may see though that he's a little bit slowed down by this at the start of the year. But the really tough thing with him and with you know Mike Evans as well. Um, and with when Antonio Brown was there, is knowing which week is the right week. Which week is it going to be the Chris Godwin week? When is it going to be the Mike Evans week? When is it going to be both of those guys? When is it going to be neither of those guys, right? Um, There's going to be points scored in Tampa Bay. It's just sometimes Godwin's number is going to get called and sometimes it's not. I'm a bigger fan of Godwin, I think, maybe than you are. I remember when he finished, I think he was a WR2 Two or three years ago, yeah. Um, before and I just loved him. I, like, I fell in love with the talent, and I think if he was healthy last year, uh, going into the year, he would have been, you know, easily a top five receiver. And I think that's his potential coming into this year. I'm a big, big fan of Godwin. Yeah, he was, and he was great that year. But that was a totally different situation too, right? That was a Tampa Bay team that was playing from behind every game, and a quarterback that threw for five thousand yards and thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions, and that's just not what Brady's going to do. Well, he's going to throw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. <laughs> from behind. It's Brady football. And Godwin really hasn't put together a full season with Brady. He's been banged up. I think he was hurt the first year as well. Um, I just, I think if he does stay healthy, he can, he can have a huge, huge season. Uh, next receiver we're going to cover here. Number 13 on the list is Hunter Renfro. Uh, he had 99 catches. That's obviously of the Las Vegas Raiders. 99 catches for 1,103 yards, five scores on 123 targets. That's good for 193 points or 12 points per game. Uh, fantasy, uh, the consensus preseason rank was outside of the top 50. People forgot this guy was in the league, and uh, he made a, a lot of people look silly with the the season he put together and the trust he's built with Derek Carr. Um, he averaged seven targets a game before the bye, eight after the break. Averaged 10 points before the bye, 12 points after. Um, he just was consistent, uh, just not as good when... 
swallows no, out. Not just good. He like that's oh, the Yeah, yeah that's the uh that's the narrative a lot of people are saying with Renfro, right. right? Oh, Waller was out and he got everything, but it was pretty consistent actually throughout the season. Well, he was a safety blanket for Derek Carr all year long and uh, obviously things are going to change now with new coaching regime, new everything and Devontae Adams, you know, commanding as many targets as he will, but I think Renfro is still going to have a role as you know that third down you know mr reliable and i think uh you know i don't think he'll finish as high on the list as he did this year um but he's gonna have you know some big fantasy weeks for people yeah i don't think that there's a i don't think that there's a world that we see him this high again i think he's got the talent um but i agree with you i think he's gonna be more like maybe what a cole beasley was a couple years ago in buffalo where you had digs you had the massive season and that's going to be adams Waller, if he's healthy, is, I think, going to be undervalued this year. I think people were frustrated with him because of the injury and because he, you know, in fairness, he had some struggles at times. Um, but I think he's going to get his. And and unfortunately, what that means is that that 123 targets for Renfro is just, it's not going to be the same number. Um, but in high stakes situations, he's definitely uh, another target that Carr can look to. That division is going to be bananas this year. Ooh, I can't wait for some football. I can't wait to see this guy because, you know, people have been calling for him since his rookie year last year to be the alpha, and now his competition in town is gone. He is the alpha, and we're going to see what it means. C.D. Lamb is our number 14 wide receiver last year in half PPR. Um, you know, a little lower on the reception side, only 77 receptions, but still over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns on 118 targets. Finished with 188 fantasy points and averaged 12.5 points per game. Um, We had him right here, actually, Jeff. You and I had him between the two of us uh, ranked number 14. But he was one of those guys who um, he had the big games and he showed the big game ability, uh, but he also had some periods of unreliability. After week 11, he only had over 11 points one time the rest of the season. And that is a killer because like I talked about this last week with Tyler, where you have these players who in the start of the season, they, they confirm what you believe about them, right? They're scoring touchdowns. They're having, you know, hundred plus yard games. And then the trade deadline comes and goes and you didn't want to get rid of them. Or maybe you gave up the world to acquire them, but from week 11 on like that is the most crucial time those are the last few weeks leading up to the playoffs and then your playoff matchups so to have probably your wide receiver one or at least a highly regarded wide receiver two on your fantasy squad only really in the double digits one time down that last you know almost half of the season that's a killer like that's that's the difference between a championship team and a bad first round exit Oh, and this guy was like a lot of people's breakout receiver of the year last year. I mean, a lot of people saw CD Lamb kind of putting together the year that Jamar Chase did last year, and uh, it just didn't happen. And you know, it, it's funny. I in our league of extraordinary gentlemen, the league of note, uh, I was trying to get CD Lamb as soon as the season ended. Uh, and it's the minute I saw the news about Amari Cooper, I tried to throw an offer out to the guy that has CeeDee Lamb on his roster, and he said, uh, yeah, I saw the news as well. And my offer obviously wasn't enough at that point, but uh, I still think he's an awesome talent, and he's going to go boom. I'm really excited for CeeDee Lamb next year. 
Well, funny enough that you say that, he did almost have kind of the season that Jamar Chase had where the start of the year was full of those big blow-ups and then there was, you know, one more instance later in the season, but really you you had some struggles if you were starting them week to week to week. We talked about Chase, you know, his 50-point championship week performance was amazing, but he was kind of a dud before that, so you had to make it to the championship to actually benefit from that game. You watch your mouth. He's not a dud. <laughs> Milk <He's> dud. Nice. <laughs> All right. Number 15 on the list is Mike Williams, another charger. Two in the top 15. Uh, he finished the year with 67 catches, 1,027 yards, and eight touchdowns on 112 targets, 186 fantasy points, 12.4 points per game. Preseason ranked at 48, and he finishes in the top 15. Uh, two bolts in the top 20. There you go. Um you know, this guy had it was tail of two seasons, wasn't he? Came into the gate super hot and really fizzled it off down the stretch. Um, yeah, the first month of the season, yeah, the anybody who was actually a Williams believer and then stuck with this guy were were doing a lot of trash talking and they were very quiet the second half of the season. Uh, breaking up his stats, he averaged almost 15 points per game the first month of the year and then was in single digits seven of the next ten games. Um, you know, he re-signed with the Chargers, so he's a part of that uh, potent offense once again. And like I said uh, earlier, when I'm excited about this division, they're going to be playing a lot of high-scoring games, I think, and putting up points and yards. So he's going to have some big games, but I don't think he's ever going to be a reliable option, uh, not with Eckler and not with uh, Keenan Allen doing what he does. So uh, he's a very boomer bust, and you know, eight touchdowns is the reason he's as high as he, he finished. Absolutely. And so, and this is a good player, a good chance to talk about, you know, especially at the wide receiver position, almost more than anywhere, anywhere else in fantasy football and in football. So he's one of those high variability players. He has a low floor, but a super, super high ceiling. When he goes off, it's, it's game over. Your week is over. You win. And that's okay to have. Sometimes those are the kinds of players you need to push your team over the edge. But you have to recognize that those guys are, you know, they pose a risk to your team and you need to equip the rest of your team then with that solid floor. You need to have a baseline of points that you're comfortable if he goes and only has a two-point performance that you're not going to end up, you know, just getting crushed in a matchup that you need to win. But he offers you that in a big game, he might come through for you, right? So it's it's all about roster construction. And we'll talk more about this later in the offseason as we as we get kind of closer to draft time. Um, I know we'll be doing our, our 10 champ commandments again this year. We'll be doing uh, some fantasy 101 later on um, segments that we started last offseason. But uh, Williams is almost like the prototype of this guy. In the first month of the season, the only wide receiver that was outperforming him was Cooper Cup. But where Cooper Cup kept doing it every week after week after week after week, Williams disappeared for a long time, you know, as he typically does. And that's part of why we had him ranked 48 last offseason. All right. Well, we talked about this guy. He's staying in Houston. Brandon Cooks, number 16 this year. A very quiet top 20 finish for Brandon Cooks. Uh, A player who just kind of gets it done. I can't really think of another almost athlete, but at least football player who's gone to so many different teams and he just keeps having thousand yard seasons and keeps being productive and keeps racking up the targets, right? Like where, like he's played where the saints, the Patriots, the Rams now with the Texans, has he been somewhere else too? Am I forgetting a team? 
uh, the Alouettes. Yeah, basically. Like he's like Steve Buscemi, though, right? He's in everything he's in. He's just money. He's you rely on him. You know it's going to be awesome, and you know what you're getting. Yeah. So you know, even with uh, even with the he, like, he went to Houston to play with Deshaun Watson, and then basically immediately found out he was having some combination of Tyrod Taylor and uh, and Davis Mills. But, uh, you know, finished with 183 fantasy points, averaged over 12 points a game. We had him ranked number 32 uh, coming into last preseason. That was a big bump down with all the, you know, what was happening with Watson. Obviously, if if Watson and Cooks had been there to connect, he would have been higher up. Um, and he was, he was fine at the start of the season, and he was fine at the end of the season. The middle of the year was pretty rough, and this was the... You know, Mills trying to figure things out once he got in there. The team trying to figure things out uh, in terms of staying competitive when they were struggling as a unit. Um, but in the middle of the season, six out of his nine games were single digits. And what happens is you see a guy like Cooks, guys get frustrated. They might even drop him or trade him for very little. Um, and uh, if you're in a situation where you're in a keeper league, like... It's hard because time does always catch up with these players, but look at a guy like Cooks. Look what he's been historically. That's not just going to go away. So if you see, you know, that that kind of mid-tier star player, not the highest of the high, no one ever sells low on those guys, but that mid-tier player who's struggling a little bit and when you've got something to say like, oh, he's in a new situation with a rookie quarterback and a bad team, blah, blah, blah go out and make that acquisition, right? If you're in a keeper league or dynasty league, why not? I'd be happy to, to, uh, you know, give up a third or fourth round pick and get a Brandon cooks on my roster for the next few years. Oh, he's one of the guys every year they go, people go for the sexy names and draft them before him. And he outperforms them almost every single season. And he's going to do it again next year. Oh, pardon me. Our next receiver we're going to talk about is rookie Jalen Waddle of the Miami Dolphins. And looking at the stats we've got on our sheet here, he broke records. Oh, 99 catches, <laughs> 9,888 yards. And five Not sure what happened no, So there, that's probably yeah. 988 yards, I'm assuming, on, and five scores. <laughs> Just missed 1,000 yards on his in his rookie season. Uh, had 133 targets, 183 points, good for 12.2 points per game. Preseason rankings, we had him uh, just inside the top 50 at number 49. He finishes number 17. Um, obviously, the connection with him and Tua really thrived the second half of the season. From week nine on, he averaged almost 15 points per game. Uh, he had seven games this season with over 10 targets as a rookie, which was phenomenal. And obviously, the big wrinkle in his development as far as fantasy goes is the you know the arrival of Tyreek Hill and uh, how that will be used. So. Uh, it, it, obviously the offense is going to be a lot of fun. Jalen Waddle, the talent is he's a stud. I loved watching him play. I loved him watching him, you know, do everything for Tua last year. But I just don't think the volume is going to be there again this year uh, with Tyreek in town, and especially with the amount of money he's making. So, um, yeah, he's, this guy's an interesting cat. I was trying to trade for him in the off season uh, because I loved the Waddle, but as soon as Tyreek arrived, I've really pumped the brakes, and the the value versus what I have to pay is just just doesn't jive. But um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the talent, and I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Miami this year because they got some legit, you know, playmakers on the outside. Ten thousand yards! <laughs> what a rookie season! Yeah, there's a lot of regret, I think, in fantasy football for people who, uh, you know, with the coaching change, in Miami, and and uh, the coach coming out and saying, if you've got a fantasy squad, 
pick up Jalen Waddle. He's going to be our Debo Samuel. There were probably a lot of dynasty deals made, and then all of a sudden, uh-oh, Cheetah's in town. All right, we talked about this guy earlier. T. Higgins came in at number 18. 74 catches for 1,199 yards and six touchdowns on 110 targets, 182 fantasy points, and averaged 13 points per game. So obviously he missed some time. Great per game average as, uh, you know, the number two receiver on his team. Obviously his rookie teammate uh, finished top five this year. We had Higgins ranked at number 30 in the preseason. Um, And he had a slower start. Chase was going wild. Um, you know, we I talked last week, Jeff, about uh, as bad of a miss of as Allen Robinson was for us. You know, pumping his tires and and him not coming through. Jamar Chase was kind of the opposite, where we we were a little skeptical because of some of the things that we were seeing and hearing in the preseason. And uh, yeah, Chase was on fire in the first the first few weeks of the season, and Higgins was kind of struggling to get it going. But he turned it around after the bye week. He was injured early in the season. He missed a couple games week three and four, so maybe part of his struggles was just kind of getting back to full health. But uh, sixty per, over sixty percent of the fantasy points that he scored this year happened after week eleven. Um, so big finish to the season. Couple of huge games down the stretch when it mattered most. And uh, he was kind of a surprise a couple of years ago, um, you know, when Burrow was there as a rookie and it was just Higgins and Boyd. He was a, I think he was a player that not a lot of people expected him to blow up the way that he did. And uh, I think that he kind of lost some of that credit when Chase came to town, but uh, he, they both showed this year that, that they can both be productive. It might, you know, it, it remains to be seen if they can both be productive at the same time, or if this is going to be another situation of, uh, you know, one of them is going to be great every week. We just don't know which one. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, obviously Burrow is working his way back from the injury at the start of the year as well. Um, you know, defenses were keying on Higgins the early part of the year and they were getting burnt by Chase and then they had to make adjustments and start giving Chase more coverage with open things up for Higgins. Uh, I think they can both, you know, do work at the same time. And uh, especially if Mixon is, is clicking on all cylinders, I really believe in this Bengals offense, which is still feels funny. Ooh. I know. Uh, number 19 on this list, Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. 68 catches, 1,077 yards, and six touchdowns on 102 targets, which seems super low. 180 points or 12 points per game. Uh, preseason, we ranked Tyler Lockett number 22. He finishes at number 19, so we're not very far off there. Back-to-back games of 24 and 28 points to open the season. That's probably why all those totals seem really low for me, because he started the year out with a bang, uh, followed by five straight weeks of what Tyler Lockett does. That's single-digit <laughs> points. Uh, three TDs in the first two games and no more until week 13. Five TDs in the last five games. It's, I mean... That's him. It's Tyler. That's yeah, Tyler Lockett. It's, it, it, you know, we're talking about Brandon Cooks and how consistent he is. You really, you know what you're getting with Tyler Lockett as well. Now, obviously, next year, Russ is out of town, and it's either Drew Locke or somebody else that they're going to bring in, hopefully Jimmy G. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to be hard to trust him even more. I mean, he was super inconsistent with one of the best quarterback talents in the league, and now he's, you know, taking a step down from whoever's replacing Russ. So it's going to be... It's going to be hard to trust, but it could be a scenario where they're worse, so they're passing more, and maybe he has better numbers. He's just not a guy that I don't. I don't think I'm going to roster him in a, in a lot of leagues, to be honest. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. And you know, last week we finished off, we rounded off our top ten last week with his teammate DK, and it was the same thing. 
like on fire, on fire, and then second half of the year, just kind of a mess. And that's what happened two years ago as well. Um, and and for both of these guys, some of that could be due to uh, to Russ's injury. Some of that could be due to kind of disagreements in the play calling. Um, there was a lot of rumor flying around when Russ left to go to Denver um, that Lockett was also on the kind of on the trade block. Um, I haven't heard anything else about that. We try not to get too much into the speculation, um, but he is. It's hard to it's hard to say. Like he's a he's a perennial like top 20 wide receiver top 15 most of the time I think the last few years but he is underrated he is a guy that you watch him in real life football and he is just so good at ball placement on those deep passes he is so good at separation at the last moment from defenders um, I think he, I think he's understated because he's on a team with DK Metcalf, and and I think part of it too is frustration with fantasy managers that he can have a game of like what did he have a couple of years ago, two hundred yards and three touchdowns. Like that doesn't happen by accident. It's not every wide receiver in the NFL that can go out and have that game even once in their career. And uh, this is a guy that he's always a threat, but he's also always a threat to get you two fantasy points. All right, number 20, we've got a bonus for you, Falcomaniacs. Number 20 is a tie. We've got a 20A and a 20B, two guys who finished with the same points and the same points per game average and pretty similar stat lines. We've got DJ Moore and Michael Pittman, both at about number 20-ish, let's call them. Uh, DJ Moore finished with 86 catches for 1,070 yards and four touchdowns on 153 targets, so a little heavier targeted. Um, 177 fantasy points, 11.1 points per game. And Michael Pittman finished with 82 catches for 1,018 yards and five touchdowns on only 122 targets, but finished with the same 177 points, 11.1 points per game. Uh, preseason, they were not very close. We had more at number 19. So right about where he finished, we had Pittman all the way down at number 45, um, you know, he had flashed a little bit as a rookie, but uh, I think there was some concern about, and maybe rightfully so, about Carson Wentz coming to town um, and what that might mean for for Pittman that season. Um, but, you know, he had some big performances, especially early in the year. But for DJ Moore, this, it felt, I was surprised that he even made it to number 20, to be honest with you. I was disappointed. I didn't have him on a single roster, but I was disappointed from what I thought he was going to turn into. The whole year just felt like a struggle. Um, maybe, or yeah, sorry, not Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold. I'm mixing up the mediocre quarterbacks that were on the move last year. Um, Oh, no, wait a minute. I'm mixing it up because they both got a mediocre quarterback last year. Um, but in Carolina, like, it was everybody, right? They had, uh, what's his name, P.J. Walker from the XFL. They had Sam Darnold from the New York Jets. They had Cam Newton walking out of the history books back into Carolina. And that's not easy. That's not easy for anybody. That's not easy for a team that's struggling and for a team that's missing their best player. Um, the first four weeks of the season, he had three touchdowns and then he only scored once more all year. That's a big thing that held him back this year. Uh, half of the games he played DJ Moore was single digit fantasy points. Only one game over 20 Uh, people were screaming for this guy to get heavily targeted and he was 153 targets, but he only had 86 receptions. So that I think says more about the quality of the targets he was being thrown than, than his talent. Now Pittman on the other side, 
he scored all of his fantasy touchdowns. And I say fantasy touchdowns because he did score in week 18. But if your league plays in week 18, you need to find a better league. That just, it's not happening. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Um, but he scored all of his fantasy touchdowns in a five week span in the middle of the season. So he was, you know, there was a month and a little bit where he was hotter than a $3 pistol. And uh, those, when a hot stretch happens in the middle of the year, they are tough. You struggled with him at the start of the year. He was okay at the start of the year. I should, he, like, he wasn't bad. He was good, but not great. But people believed in him. People held on. The The champions of Michael Pittman Jr. were were big vocal champions. They saw a lot, just like the Jonathan Taylor ones, like yourself. Um, and then he came through for you. You held on to him. You held on to him. You kept believing. And then he came through. He's doing what you thought he would do. He's getting targeted. He's scoring touchdowns. So at trade deadline, you're not going to move on from the guy. But then all of a sudden, he like falls off a cliff. Five of his last seven games were single-digit. And the the most telling thing is that in over half of those games, he had six or fewer targets. So instead of, you know, earlier in the year where he was being heavily targeted, he just wasn't being looked at. Now, part of that was a big commitment to the run game. Part of that was, you know, the struggles of Carson Wentz to protect the ball. Um, and part of that, though, too, was due to the schedule. We talked about this on the show um, kind of at the midway point of the fantasy year last year. They had a tough defensive schedule that they were facing and Pittman fell off. Yeah. I mean, he, he did. And he let a lot of people down at the wrong time. And it's, you know, obviously with Matt Ryan in town this year, there's a lot of hype around Pittman and in his, you know, maybe he's going to be the new Julio for Matt Ryan or Ridley. Um, but yeah, he left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up uh, getting drafted this year. He's going to be a real tough player to project for because of the quarterback change, because of the, you know, the kind of three phases of his game last season or the three phases that he went through as a player. It's you're really going to have to kind of pick a lane and stick with it. Do you believe in that midseason and do you believe he can return to form or do you think that that was a bit of a fluke and uh and you know he's going to kind of be one of those, you know, a middling talent, uh, a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three, like he was this year. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it, buddy. I know, man. It, well, it's going to come down to the targets, right? Like the talent's there. It's just the opportunity. And if he's getting six or fewer targets, it's it's not going to be enough production. Yep. We'll see what old Matty Ice has in the veins when he uh, when he gets to his new home, puts on a blue jersey. All right. Well, we're just about done, Falcomaniacs. That was uh, that was, I guess, kind of the end of our our year retrospective. We'll we'll spend a few minutes talking about the tight end position that was, but uh, but not a whole lot of time. Hopefully, you found that useful over the last few weeks. Um, you know, we we talked about it at the at the outset. We wanted to look back so that we could prepare ourselves for draft season. Because when you roll into your draft and you're just looking at where these guys finished, that doesn't tell the whole story. And, uh, you know, a couple of big games here or there, or, or on the other hand, a couple of uh, kind of dud games can really affect where they finish in the overall standings. And uh, the experience of having these guys in your roster isn't always what you think you're paying for. So be better than your league. Be in the know. Be a Falcomaniac. All right, we're almost done here. But before we go, we got to hit the two-minute drill. It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football 2-Minute Drill. (laughs) 
So Jeff, I like this. This was a question that you posed, and uh, I think it's something that we kind of maybe off air were talking about a few weeks ago, um, or maybe just in our text chain. But uh, this obviously this past weekend, one of the best sports weekend opening opening uh, day for baseball was happening. The Masters were happening. And one of the big stories of the Masters was Tiger Woods coming back. He was on the course and he was looking good, man. Like, you know, he wasn't uh, he wasn't Tiger from 30 years ago, but he made the cut. He made some great shots, saved a couple of tough, you know, couple of holes that he was in a tough position and he had that Tiger magic. He's not quite done yet. So that raised the question that you came up with here, which is in football, what player would you like to see come back and lace it up once more? Who would you like to see get back on the field after an absence? I've got a couple names in mind. Um, I'll, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give you one of them right now. Right, I would love it. to see. I would love this story to break. Andrew Luck returning to the NFL. Ooh, a guy yeah. who left in his prime due to injuries, due to you know whatever health issues, had some time to get healthy. I would love to see Andrew Luck come back and at his age, you know, still put in a, a solid five to eight year shift. So are we thinking players that could still play today? Or is this like, I was thinking anybody one more time, like you get a chance to see a player play well, one more time. Who would... we, can, we can go that route, but I, I think we have to stick to the, the timeline, right? So, like, if you're if you're thinking like a Jerome Bettis, it's going to be like, you know, a 50-some-year-old <laughs> Jerome Bettis. One more play, right? Just bring him in. If the suit, if the Steelers get to the Super Bowl, just bring him in and that, that fourth and one on the goal line, bring him in for one more play. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, Andrew Luck's a great answer, and I, I'll give one too, and I think a lot of our Falcomaniacs will agree, is uh, Megatron. It was uh, cut short and, uh, you know, just the, the specimen that he is, it was a shame to see him go when he did, and I'd love to watch him one more time. So, Oh, I'm sure the Rams can find a couple of dollars to bring him back. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's it. Uh, well, we'll look forward to hearing from the Falcomaniacs on that one and, and hear some answers. That'll get to be a fun conversation on next week's episode. But that does it for this week's episode. Uh, yeah, once again, thanks so much to the Falcomaniacs for listening. Please rate, review, and most importantly, share the podcast wherever you guys listen to it. If you have questions, dynasty questions, draft questions, any questions related to fantasy football or life even, reach out to us uh, anywhere you can on email or at uh, social media or using the link in the show description. It is the best time of year to be a sports fan. We got basketball playoffs starting. Go Raptors. We got Leafs play playoffs starting. Go Leafs. We got baseball starting up here. We got F1 is getting crazy. We got golf and master. It's just such an awesome time to be a sports fan. NFL draft is around the corner. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I want to play a real quick video here. I want to say RIP to Mr. Gilbert Gottfried, who was uh, one of the funniest guys ever. And that does it for this week's episode. Ten, you are an eleven. Oh, Jafar, you're too kind. Woo!